everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. This is Andrew, and I'm here as always with Thomas. Thomas, how are you doing? Not a bad intro, dude. Actually, wait. Catchphrase. Oh, wait, no. And the catchphrase today is whenever I give money to the homeless, I get yelled at. They're just going to buy booze with it. All I can think is like I wasn't. (laughs) And I absolutely agree. That's from Bill Hicks. All my money goes to booze anyways, so. Um, I am drinking some booze, actually. What what kind of booze are you drinking? So maybe you'll have to educate me on this. I think this is called a snake bite. Mm -hmm. I've mixed uh, Guinness with Magner's Irish Cider. Ah, you know. It's pretty good. I've heard of a snake bite. I don't know if that's it, but it sounds awesome. So what confuses me is there's an I or there's a there's an English pub in my college town which calls a Stella and a Magners and a snake bite. And I can't remember what they call the Guinness in the in the Magners, but then the Irish pub calls a Guinness and a Magners a snake bite. Mm. So I'm just confused. Maybe it's just the Irish. They they have their own uh their own thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty good either way. I'll admit, um, I'm just drinking, I mean, not just, I'm drinking a pumpkin. It's delicious. I was too lazy to leave my apartment. I had one left, so, hey. Uh, I figured it out. All right. It's we, technically lager and cider, but in the U.S., you can use a stout. Mm. So, I think the Irish pub is just using the U.S. definition. That works for me. <laughs> so, today, we have Joan Sotkin on. She is from Prosperity Place. Um, and I've actually had a chance to talk to her before this interview, and she's pretty interesting. Joan, how are you doing? Terrific. How are you guys today? Pretty good. Doing pretty good. So, Joan, um, one of the reasons that I, I really got drawn to you and, and I want to have you on the show is you have a very different angle and approach to you know finance and just kind of like managing your, your money. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your you know, your thoughts? Uh, <laughs> what <laughs> happened to that part of my brain? Okay. <laughs> well, let me give you some background. Mm, okay. Mm. I came from a place where I was a compulsive debtor. I came from a family of where my father was a compulsive debtor. And I finally, I, I've been around a long time. And in the 1980s, I built a large crystal business. I was selling crystals and minerals for healing and meditation nationwide. I was mailing out 50,000 catalogs at a time, and I had a line of stones called Jones Stones in 600 stores. I was bringing in lots of money. And, like, and this was in 95, right? This was in 80, 85. 85. Ni- oh, right, right. Okay. Okay, long time ago. And I, in today's money, I was bringing in $50,000 a month, and I wound wow. up going bankrupt. Imagine that. And everyone's and, probably like, how is that possible? And absolutely, because I didn't know how to manage cash flow. Mm. No one ever said to me cash flow. I had a bookkeeper who came in three days a week, and he just did whatever I told him to do. Well, I just kept buying more crystals. <laughs> oh, I was having such a good time, and I got my pilot's license, and I was, I was really having a good time. But then my father died, which really knocked me for a loop. And I've come to understand that when there's any kind of really big loss, people often have money problems. And a whole bunch of things came together. All of a sudden, I wasn't the only crystal game in town. Lots of people were selling them. And I had no idea how to how to deal with the competition. And there was no internet. There were no 
coaches. And when I went to the bank to ask for help, they thought it was cute that this woman was making all this money <laughs> selling crystals and they just wanted to lend me more money. And I said, okay, you know, so I wound up in debt and I realized that I didn't know what I was doing. So I closed the business. Hmm. That's, that sucks. So well, it was the only way I guess that I could learn what I had to learn. And it took a, you know, I tried a couple of more businesses and then I wound up moving to Santa Fe with $200 and whatever fit in my car in 1996. And that was 19 years ago. And since I've been in Santa Fe, I, and I had gotten on the internet already in 1995, I built my first website. And wow, saw wow. It, it was like it was like the third website on the internet or something. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> was that was that before Internet Explorer and, uh, and Netscape were out? Were you like using no? It, it, that, it was six six months after Mozilla came out. Okay. And and so we were into WYSIWYG, and but there was no uh, software for creating websites. And I wasn't a techie. I'm an English major, qualified to do nothing. And so I had a figure. I found a book on HTML, and I couldn't figure out tables. Tables was really mm. tough. Mm. So I would go to websites that had tables, and I would look at the source code and copy the table, and then fill in my data. <laughs> so it, it was slow going. But that's but still that's very actually, impressive. That's how I learned. The same. I mean, I learned I back in tables. Yeah. yeah, I was like opening the source code for certain websites and just be like, all right, I'm going to take that and then uh, just build my own <laughs> right. stuff out of it. Right. Fortunately, I learned how to view source code. And, <laughs> and But I was determined to do it. And there were a whole bunch of uh, marketers, people who had been in the mail order business, which is what I had been in. And mm. they had discovered the Internet and we found out we don't have to pay postage. So there were the, these uh, major domo discussion groups so that we could discuss what we were going to do with this new interface. And and so I felt like I was part of a community. And I met some people who lived in Santa Fe so I could say hello to someone when I got here because I didn't know anyone when I got here. And, and I, the first time I built a site for someone else, I knew I could make a living. And that's when I came to Santa Fe. Because people had said to me, don't move to Santa Fe unless you have a job because it's really hard to get a job here. Mm. And, and so I've been doing business online since then, since 1995. Wow. Has it been mostly <laughs> building websites for other people or did you do no, everything as well? No, I started, my first website was called Resources for Living. And I was going to do crystal stuff and, and metaphysics and all sorts of stuff. And then someone told me I was stepping on their copyright, so I had to let go of that. And and I started Prosperity Place in nineteen nine in the spring of nineteen ninety seven. So and I still have really? the same website, and I've been through many iterations, as you can imagine, in twenty years because. Uh, it didn't used to move quite as fast as it moves now, yeah. but you have to do a lot of fancy dancing to, <laughs> to stay ahead of the curve. And being an early adopter and innovator, I have to stay ahead of the curve and not try to do what the big guys are doing and to find my niche. And I did my first podcast from 2005 to 2007. 
And I oh stopped. I stopped the month the iPhone came out. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're boycotting the iPhone, right? Yeah, I <laughs> had, the worst uh, time to start or to stop. <laughs> well, actually, I think everything works out fine. Okay. And I did have a, a a web development company for quite a while, and then it started getting too complicated. And I I really didn't care about other people's email, so I decided to devote myself to Prosperity Place. When WordPress came out, I thought, wow, now I can do websites for people for really inexpensive. And so I did that mm-hmm. for quite a while. And, and now I, I, you know, I found my, my stride with Prosperity Place and doing this podcast again, which I love doing. You may notice that I'm a talker. And <laughs> I stick a mic in front of my face and I'm a happy camper. And so I love doing the podcast and I love teaching people what I learned because of what I went through. And when you say I have a different approach to money, it's because I feel you have to get in touch with your emotions in order to sustain success. And so I've become a real expert on how people act out emotions that are formed in early childhood through their business and financial stories. So that is an interesting angle. Yeah. I think it's really cool because I just think in systems, I'm like set up the system and then your emotions don't matter. Just you you go through it and, you know, use the rules that you created before. So I'm really interested to hear about these emotions. And both of you are young enough. You haven't tripped over your own feet enough times. (laughs) <laughs> to know that a different side of life. <laughs> you know? when, you, when you get to your, your late 30s, 40s, you know, you start saying, why is this happening? Why is this happening? As if life is happening to you, mm-hmm. when in fact it's happening through you. And when you can understand how you create your life stories, if you don't like the outcomes, you can say, what can I do to change that. I listened to one of your podcasts and it was all this stuff about 401ks and, and all the technical stuff about what am I going to do with money and I'm watching out for my investments and, mm. and, and I'm going, uh-oh, there's a little piece missing here because there's a person doing this. Yeah. And mm. this person can get in the way and people don't understand that. And I think every business coach should have a money piece in their in their toolbox, and it's the emotions. You've probably heard of the whole emotional intelligence piece. That's mm-hmm. finally, I mean, I was talking this way 30 years ago, and no one understood what I was talking about. Now, people actually use the word emotions out loud. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> not a dirty word. And even men can have emotions now. And. How- not only can have emotions. Quiet down, Andrew. <laughs> everybody does. They just express them differently. And when you focus all your energy on the numbers and, the, and, and you're not paying attention to you, there's a piece missing. Mm. And, and not everybody, in fact, most people, mm. have had something in their background, in their childhood, that they're sort of compensating for. If there's any kind of abuse or neglect or alcoholism 
or daddy didn't tell you you were doing a great job or something traumatic happened in childhood, that's imprinted in your system and creates these uh, electrical systems, if you like that word, that have to find a way of expressing themselves. Most of my clients are men. So I've gotten really good at helping men understand their feeling nature. Okay, and, and and you don't you, you don't have to have a feeling vocabulary. Surprise! If someone says to you, "How do you feel?" you can say, "I feel contracted," and that's all you need to say. <laughs> it's not like you need to know the nuances, but you just have to know that you're feeling something. So I have a ton of questions for you, but I actually want to I want to back it up uh, to the beginning, and we're we're gonna work through. Uh, like the, the timeline. So okay. you you had mentioned that um, you know you had your your gem business and you're earning fifty thousand dollars a month, and it all kind of got away from you, and you basically had to stop, and then you kind of just had two hundred dollars to your name, and you you went um, to a new city to kind of like refigure things out, and and I want to know how did that experience of quitting. And starting over from like literally nothing uh, change you and like uh, you know do you do you think that was an important reason why you were able to do what you do today? Well, there's some backstory to that too because I was born in 1940. If you can imagine that, okay, I can it imagine a, it. <laughs> it <was a> <laughs> when everybody was worried about world events because of the war that was that was <clears throat> forming, and women were supposed to get married and have children, and that was about it. And that's pretty much what my mother did. She had worked before she got married, but that wasn't what most people did. So I got married. I was pregnant once for three months. I didn't want to be pregnant. I was sort of glad it was over. And I just couldn't figure out who I was in this system where I was supposed to be a school teacher. And I mean, boring. And mm. I, I didn't like, to me, marriage was too much laundry. I, you know, if I could have been the <laughs> husband, I would have liked that. And so Shh, my wife's going to listen to this. You're ruining <laughs> so, it for me. So, so. so I just had to set the stage that from the very beginning, I was a little bit out there. And I started studying psychic sciences and astrology and all the woo-woo stuff really early on. I mean, I just knew there had to be something What, what do you mean like woo-woo stuff? Well, they call it woo-woo today. It didn't seem woo-woo to me. It seemed very rational to me. Mm. I mean, that's how I got into the crystals. I woke up one day. And I heard, go buy a pound of tumbled stones. And <laughs> that was how I got into it. And I went to a lapidary store and I said, I need a pound of tumbled stones. Week later, I had them. And then I figured out how to energize them. And so I'm very into energy stuff. Anyhow, um, so, so I, was, I was brought up at a time where we didn't think in terms of job. My father was an entrepreneur. Both of my grandfathers were an entrepreneur. So I never thought job. And, mm. and I taught school for a year. I, well, they needed extra teachers in New Jersey, so I didn't have to major in education. And I used to have nightmares that I had to do that again. And I started, uh, little kids, are, that's not my path. And 
I I wound up selling great books of the Western world door to door. So I was learning sales techniques. So what was your original question? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, lost, lost my I, I actually I forgot to ask you, Joan. What are you drinking? Um, I haven't had a drink since 1972. Well, good for you. I, I haven't I, eaten sugar since 1973. Really? Yeah. I, really? I, I haven't eaten sugar since roughly 30 minutes ago. To go. Is that like you haven't had any processed sugar? You haven't even no. had like any fruit? Zero. No, I for for a long time all I could eat was apples. Actually, for a long time I couldn't eat any fruit. Then there was just apples. But I'm going through this this uh, allergy treatment now, so I can eat little bits of other fruits now. So, mm. but it, I I was a suicidal depressive for 15 years, and when a doctor said to me, "If you give up sugar, you're not going to be depressed anymore," I gave up sugar on the spot. That was mm. it. Huh. I was I had a lot of physical problems. This has been a long story. The the money piece was like a little piece. And so I know you want the money story, right? So necessarily. I, I had two brothers. <laughs> I had two brothers who were who were millionaires and I couldn't rub two pennies together. Mm. So I started asking why? You know, how do people develop their relationship with money. How does that happen? That, that one person from the same family as these other two people can't, can't make a living. And I began to really see the connection between emotions and money. And that was the beginning of my path. And that was in the 1970s. So when you say the beginning of emotions and money, and, and I think it's very much... Uh, emotion driven, you know, you, like if you want to, you know, say the same thing with health, you know, you want to eat a burrito or you want to buy a TV. I mean, you have to tell yourself no. But uh, when you say like childhood things, like, uh, could you maybe elaborate on? Sure. Okay. So let's, let's get the basis. Uh, my question was, how am I creating my life stories? Because I came from the same family as my brother. Why am I having so much trouble and they're not? Okay? That's, and so I came to understand that we have thoughts, beliefs, and emotions. And it's the emotions that, inform our, that inform our decisions. Your longing for more money is an emotion. That, that sense of I got to have more. Do you mm -hmm. understand that feeling? Mm -hmm. Okay, you you understand it. Okay, mm -hmm. um, it's I live that, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's that little tight thing that makes you go push, push, push. Those are emotions, and they inform your decisions. I'm really going to be careful with my money, and and you've chosen a path where you're willing to keep counting. But what I saw was that when you come from a dysfunctional family, when you're a little kid. Remember, you don't have logic when you're really little. Mm. And if you don't bond with your mother, in the very beginning, there's this feeling of there must be something wrong with me. Now, babies can't think that logically, but there's that instinctive feeling of kind of holding back. And if you don't have certain needs met, there's this sense of deprivation which is a feeling everybody else has toys and I don't have toys. If there's any kind of abuse or neglect, there's that sense of being trapped in an uncomfortable situation. Um, 
And and if, you know, I know my parents didn't have any, well, they had a book on parenting, but it said things like, feed your child on schedule rather than demand. So I, it was, I got hungry a lot, you know, and <laughs> turned into an eating disorder. And, and so these feelings start very early and we never learn how to express them. So they're looking for a pathway of expressions because emotions by their nature need to be expressed. And so we create these life stories that let us feel the feelings, but until we express them, they're, they're not going to, they're not, they're still going to be part of us. For example, a lot of people have disappointment stories. Now you can act your disappointment need out through stocks. You buy a stock and you think it's going to go up. Or I think I heard one of, I heard you say, one of you say that you should have bought Apple stocks when it first came, <laughs> where you had the chance of doing that. Yeah, it was me well, in high school. And I can imagine that you're not saying, God, that was great that I didn't buy the Apple stock. <laughs> Instead, every time you think of Apple or you hear about Apple stocks going up, there's a little place inside of you that goes, oh, I wish I had bought that. Right? That's an emotion. Mm. <laughs> Surprise. That's an emotion. Okay? Can you understand that? Yeah. So on some level, I'm going to say that you had experience as a child where you had that same, that same outcome. I wanted to do, I should have done something and I didn't, and I'm disappointed in myself for not having done that mm. because the feeling didn't start when you were in high school. Yeah, I think I got a lot actually. Every time I get a new interest, I'd be like, oh, I wish I'd been doing this since I was four years old. Then I'd be okay. amazing at it now. <laughs> okay, so you have a regret habit. <laughs> I don't know, mild. I, I wouldn't call it a severe one. But you don't, have to, you don't have to qualify it, okay? I'm just pointing mm. it out that there's repetitious stories. Mm. Well, you want to get rid of that before you get to be 40 and you're going... Oh, I wish I had done that. Oh, I wish I had done that. Mm. <laughs> it's, you want to you get rid of that stuff so it's not part of your identity. Mm. And because you're still young, you know, it doesn't look young to you because it's as old as you are, but from my point of view, it, it, you've got plenty of time to get your act together. And you can say, okay, how do I want to change the endings of the stories that I create. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that I get better at picking stocks and making my money work because I'm more in touch with my intuition. Do you either of you ever have any financial fear? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, Thomas is like... I think I worry less than Andrew does. Yeah, I okay. mean, I, I worry, yeah, for family and future and what what if the gravy train stops okay and so how is that serving you um i, I would like to think that uh my work ethic is is maybe driven by anxiety i think okay. that if, if i was less worried i would play more video games okay <laughs> so you're using stress as a motivator i i guess yeah okay well you have these little things in your body called adrenal glands and they don't last forever. 
And the more stress you have, the more you stress your adrenal glands, and that leads to physical disease, Hmm. heart disease, cancer. All those things come from stress. I'll tell you, I have more gray hairs than most people my age. I think it's (laughs) definitely related. So if you want to, and it's, it's, you worry about the future, but that doesn't help the future. And there's no reason why you can't create happy stories about the future. And, and see, this is what people don't understand. Life is not going to happen to you. It's going to happen through you. Mm-hmm. And, and your intentions, your expectations, and your thoughts are all going into creating your life. And that fear is your amygdala going danger, danger, danger. And if you can learn to override that, then you can make better decisions. So how, when, how do I when, do that? Uh, well, I have this magic wand, you know, <laughs> and I'm just going <laughs> to kind of wave it over you three times <laughs> and you're done. Okay. Now, it's, it, you have to, first of all, you have to make a decision to do it. And, and you have to say, okay, if I, if I believe right now, you believe that if you don't worry, you're going to fail. Mm. Right? I, I, that's pretty much, yeah. If, if I don't worry, who will? And it's only happening because I'm worried and on top of it, I guess. Okay, so you have this belief that worry makes things happen. Yeah. Actually, that, yes. That, yeah. Okay. Is this, that, this is a great therapy session, by the way. I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> but we can do it with a little laughter in between. And I guarantee that whatever you're saying to me, uh, a good portion of your audience is relating to it. I, I, I believe that. I mean, okay. I'm, you've, you have me reeled in. I'm waiting for, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. And because yours is a money show, mm. and I haven't met anyone who doesn't worry about money, this is significant when talking about money. Yeah. Because the fact is, the more you mu- worry, the more you're getting in your way. So, I mean, I had this Swami say to me in 1972, worrying is a waste of time. And I thought, what a concept. (laughs) (laughs) Worrying is a waste of time. And it is. Because when you get into this space, because you're creating a future that doesn't exist. You're Mm -hmm. seeing this very negative future, right? Right. Okay. You're making it up. Well, okay, so so here's like where I, I maybe I'm confused because I feel like in some scenarios it could be good because say say it was like primal human in you know nature when we were hunting and stuff and there was and, a lion right oh, and, oh that's that's why what you have an amygdala for yeah and I'm <laughs> saying so like obviously there it's rare that there will be a lion that you need to fear and take action on but I feel like that ability to perhaps imagine what might happen in the future and then react to prevent the, these bad things, I think, I think is a good thing. Okay, and and there's maybe a difference. There's a difference between anxiety and concern. Mm-hmm. When you're, mm-hmm. when you're plant, you can plan for the future and you can say, this is what I think will keep me safe. But what happens if that doesn't work out? What do you mean? Like uh, you have to pivot. Yeah. Like 19, like 2007 to nine when things got really tough. 
Mm. Okay? So if you, it's like during that downturn, I didn't worry. I just planned. I just mm. drew in. I immediately started counting. You know, I, I keep very close tabs of my money and my cash flow. And so I, I, I was able to deal with it. When you're worrying about it, that's different because you're going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's going to happen? It's going to look awful. And, and you're making up this story that just doesn't exist. You know, and so what, here's what I learned to do. Anytime I started worrying about money, mm. I said to myself, a large sum of money from an unexpected source. Well, That's just as true as this future that you're making up. Mm. Mm. Okay? So why not start planning on what you're going to do with that money? Now, you're already doing that. You're learning how to invest and how to be careful. But when that, when that need to be safe and to have certainty overtakes you, you're in trouble because we don't live in a certain world. So you, you, you've actually really opened my mind because I have, I have these like two um, conflicting views, which, which I think I didn't maybe think were conflicting, is we talk about investing and we say, you know, don't time the market. Don't really think about it. Don't worry. Everyone fears the crash, and the crash is but a little part. Like, it's like a very small piece. The graph generally just goes up. And so it's like one angle of me is just kind of like, Dad, don't worry about it because it's going to work out. And I believe that. And then there's the other side of me, which maybe is the more day-to-day me, that uh, fears you know, income and, and how to keep it going and I could definitely resonate with just kind of relaxing all over. It works on one area. Why wouldn't it work everywhere? Exactly. Mm. And have you ever run out of money? No, not not yet, at least. Okay, so that, <laughs> and there's that not yet, okay? Mm. When I work with people, I say, what's your habit? Have you ever run out of money? Mm. And have and, and the second question is, have you ever been in a tough spot that you've gotten yourself out of? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Then that is what I, so you have the opportunity to have faith in yourself that you will be able to find solutions to any problem. Hmm. Yeah, that so, makes a lot of sense to me because okay. I, I found myself worrying about things that might happen in the future and my mind always draws a blank as to the solution. But then if something happens right now, my mind always just like jumps to, okay, I'm going to do this, this, this. A solution. Out. Yes. Yeah. And, and that men are more solutions oriented than women generally. Okay. Mm. And that's an advantage. And, and the two of you have this linear, uh, a strong left brain where, where you're good at linear thinking. Mm. If I do X, then Y can happen. So I should, in other words, you, you, you're good at linear thinking. Okay. That's a particular talent. Okay, and so once you say to yourself, "I can get at myself out of any real problem," then there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess my my brain throws up excuses like, "Well, you need to worry about things that like problems that may creep up on you over time." Why don't things, you just but... wait for them to creep up <laughs> and then deal with them? Yeah, you know, this true. is what this is what living in the now is all about. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're worried about the future, you say to yourself. Is everything okay today? So, Joan, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I really like it. It seems kind of zen, and, and I'm, I'm it with you. It is very zen. It, it is. <laughs> and it's even just to entertain the thought is, is kind of like relaxing me. I can feel my face kind of relaxing. 
but um i i feel like uh there, there's this leap that has to be taken because you know we're having this conversation and i'm following you down you know you're you're logical and it makes sense but i want to uh hang up and not be a ball of stress again or tomorrow like like how do you maybe implement this in your life or or work your yourself out of being in this fear-driven mindset well first of all you have to decide you're willing to do it because you have to deal with that belief first Mm -hmm. that i have to worry in order to be successful okay that's Mm -hmm. right now that for you that's a problem yeah Okay, because as soon as you stop, start going towards not worrying, your amygdala is going to go danger, danger, and you're going to start worrying all over again. Okay, so you have to see that there is a path other than worrying. Now, I happen to have exhausted my adrenal glands. I mean, where I couldn't get from my bedroom to my living room, exhausted. So I pay attention to my adrenal glands. And if you do, it'll make a big difference because it's, it's the worrying that causes entrepreneurial fatigue where you just don't have the energy and you start drinking a lot of coffee or, or people smoke cigarettes, whatever they can, because those things are what stimulate the adrenal gland. And it's unsustainable. I'll, I'll tell you that that's mm. me in a nutshell. I literally bounce <laughs> from like psychopathic productivity, insano person to like super burnt out. Uh, I can't do this. I need to take like a month off. Like and I'm always bouncing. I, I'm bouncing between the two. I, I'm trying to find that middle ground, but I don't know how to do it. And then okay, when we take the month called, off, we're worried about like everything slipping while we're gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then when I when I'm not doing things, I don't have the energy to do it. But I'm watching everything. Like I feel like it's all slipping away. So <laughs> okay. I'm just you know yeah. Tell me, please. Adrenal glands. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna you wanna Google adrenal fatigue because that's what you're talking about. Mm. And and if you stimulate it. With you know high activity and oh this is so exciting and everything else that's what people that's why people watch horror movies and 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 football because it gets the adrenal glands going and the Zen thing is called equanimity. You ever watch the Dalai Lama? He's calm no matter what. Mm. Well, that looks boring to most Americans. It's not boring. It's just healthy and it allows the joy to come up no matter what you're doing. And so how do you do that? First of all, you watch, I, I think it's a holistic thing. I, I have a holistic approach to business and finance. You have to take care of yourself. And what does that mean? First of all, it means, pardon the expression, eating right, sleeping right, getting mm. enough exercise. Because would you, if you had a, a, a Mercedes, I'm assuming you don't have a Mercedes no. at this point. Would you put crappy <laughs> gas in it and never take care of it? Well, I mean, I wouldn't, but I would also never own a Mercedes because I'm way too frugal for that. <laughs> oh, this is this is a good example, though, because my new car takes the premium gas. And, okay. and you put regular in. No, I, I put the premium oh, in Oh, you do? Okay, it okay. It can take the regular, but I know I buy the premium now. Okay, so you have this incredible machine that you're riding around in. Hmm. That's all your, your body mind is a machine that you are riding around it. You're yeah. not your body. You're not your mind. You're something that no one has ever really figured out what it is, the essence of you. 
Okay, so if you take care of your vehicle, it will last longer and not get pings. Pings are symptoms, okay? It's like your body is not deficient in, in statin drugs. You know, I mean, we have this crazy idea that if something's wrong with me, I need a pill. No, you need to get your body working right. Mm. And so when the doctors told me I could never be healthy, I should get rid of all, get used to all my problems and, and just get used to being a sick person, I said, no, thank you. So I read biology books and physiology books and, and microbiology books to figure out how the systems worked. And then I gave them what they needed. They mm. need fresh, whole food. They do not need sugar. Sugar gums up the works. It's mm. sticky. It's very sticky. Okay, doesn't need a lot of carbohydrates, fresh, whole food, get enough sleep, meditate for at least 10 to 20 minutes every day, uh, exercise. You know, you only need to walk for 20 minutes a day. I like to do a little strength training, too. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be 75 years old and I've been doing this stuff for 42 years. I've got more energy than you guys sometimes have. <laughs> right. <laughs> Try to keep up with me, and I can work a full day. I don't have to nap anymore. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm going all the time, and I'm not stressing myself. And so you have to make a decision. So, and the same way you have to take care of yourself, people have to learn to take care of their money. And what money likes best is to be counted. Oh, she's counting me. I think I'll tell my friends and maybe they'll come too. Okay. <laughs> Money goes to people who love and take care of it. So, so it's, it's a matter of deciding that my business and money are not the core of my life. I am. And the, the machine I'm driving around in is important. And I have to live this more balanced life. Mm. And so when you're going, go, 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 and then you get exhausted, you're really wasting time in the long run, aren't you? Mm. Yeah, because then yeah. The, my months or my month, whatever downtime where I'm like trying to recoup, I, I don't do anything. Right. Mm. And so you're actually wasting time by being in a hurry to get it done. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, this is, I have discovered that I, I, I'm never in a hurry. You know, and of course, my clients, if I'm helping them with their websites, like, oh, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. And I say, I'm sorry, I don't hurry. And one of the ways I teach people to learn how to do that is never go through a yellow light. When you're driving mm -hmm. and the light turns yellow. You're not allowed to, to put your foot on the accelerator. <laughs> I like that because I am always the one. I'm like, I have time, and I just speed through. Okay. <laughs> I've been kind of getting a little bit of this lately. Uh, when, I, when I drive, I definitely go through yellow lights and speed up a okay. bit. That's... But when I skateboard places, I'm like, you yeah. know what? I want to get to this place, but I'm actually – I probably am going to enjoy this more than like getting to where I'm, I'm going. So I try to go slow and take the long way. Okay, it's the idea is to never rush. Because mm. every time you rush, you're stressing your adrenal glands. So maybe, maybe I'm, I'm like confused or I'm putting like rush or anxiety in the wrong spot. But I feel like um, my finances didn't become what they are 
by me just being it's chill man and then just like you know relaxing on a beach like i i, I feel like i had to I didn't work. say relax on a beach well, i didn't say that you can work every day but you can work every day without worry yeah i understand it i mean there's no I rule that says thou shalt worry true i mean yeah, see, that's a choice your you're pace, making do your work and don't don't freak out about it all the time Right, and Which see I could definitely get better at. <laughs> okay, so see where your mind went? Well, if I'm not worried and rushing, then I must be sitting on a beach somewhere. No, mm-hmm. I work nine hours a day. But I don't rush. And I'm a little ADD, so I like to do ten different things in a day. I don't like to do the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. And you know, So I have just made up a pace that works for me without worry and without rush. And as a result, once I, my goal was not to make a lot of money. My goal was to be able to feel comfortable no matter what my bank balance was. Ah, okay. I, th- I think you hit on the word. So you said your goal. And so let's say uh, I'm 30 now and let's say, you know, in 40, I want, you know, uh, to grow my wealth by 20% or something. Whatever, arbitrary number. Or I want to grow my wealth by $100,000. Now, like I have to get out there in those 10 years and make that happen. And so maybe, and I'm 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 a very goal-oriented person. So is it it the act of making goals that's, but I almost feel like you can't achieve things without goals. So I I don't know. I I didn't say I had no goal. Mm. I said I had a feeling goal. And I said, I want to be able to have any amount of money and feel okay. Mm -hmm. That meant when it went down and when it went up. And I somehow created this story where it would go down and I had to learn that I was, because I did run out of money. I was homeless for a while. And getting over that fear is pretty terrific. You know, I mean, you have to really work at it. And so you can have a goal. It's like my, I have a financial goal for the next 10 years, but that doesn't mean I have to push to get there. I have to allow it to happen. Mm, Right. So I've been saying a large sum of money from an unexpected source for so long that I'm getting involved now with a company that opens the door for a large sum of money from an unexpected source. It's having that expectation that when I reached my feeling goal, I was go because I know I'm capable of making a lot of money. When I had my crystal business, for God's sakes, I was bringing in fifty thousand dollars a month. Okay, so yeah. I know I can do it, but that's not my goal in life it, to make all that money. My goal in life is to feel good and be healthy till the day I die. Mm. And I have learned that if you stress yourself, you're not going to be healthy till the day you die. Yeah. And and that became more important to me than, than any amount of money I would have. And so for me, it's a matter of looking at my life. I mean, I live in a modest house, a 1,400 square foot house that's, that's nice, but it's not one of the really... Santa Fe homes with the Vegas and the, you know, fancy schmancy. I have to say, well, what would I want that for? Then I have to have them made twice a month instead of once a month. And, mm. and you know, it's, am I working to sustain my stuff 
or am I working just to build a bank account? You know, you were when I listened to your podcast that you were talking a lot about getting ready for retirement. Mm. That's a concept that's beyond my comprehension. I, I since I was never a job person, and I I can't imagine retiring. I what else am I going to do? And and I love my work. I I, I agree with you. I see but, myself working till the till the end because and and right. So and I hear all these young people. Well, I got to build up my retirement fund. I got to build up my retirement. Susie Orman with her her wagging finger, and <laughs> and you know, and how much you have to have in your emergency fund. And I, there's no way I could talk to to Susie Orman and have her tell me that I'm a good girl. You know, she's a critical parent. I think we all get to choose what we're doing. I was sick for so long, I couldn't save a lot of money. And so I'm just figuring out what works for me, but I'm not worried about it. If anyone should worry about retirement, I probably should. Mm. But mm. and I don't have a big pile of money because I needed to I needed to heal myself before I worried about the money part. And I have enough faith in myself to know that I can make the money when I need it. Yeah. So that's my philosophy. I don't have kids. I don't have to. I'm not taking care of the world. This is where a lot of guys get really weirded out because they got to take care of the family and they worry about it. There's no reason to worry. There is no rule that says thou shalt worry. That's something hmm. you're deciding to do and you don't have to do that. It's like when you're skateboarding and you decide to take your time and you're not worrying about falling down and smashing your face, which is within the realm of possibility, right? Yeah. Okay, but you decide. I fell down, smashed my wrist on Saturday. Okay. <laughs> okay. It feels and, better now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I broke my wrist. I just one day fell down and broke my wrist. I mean, mm. it can happen anytime. And so when you're uh, the skateboard is a good example of where you're in the moment. Yeah, definitely. And that's the feeling because when you're in the moment, that's when you get into the flow and the creative ideas can come through. Mm. I th I have a lot to think about tonight. <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to uh, pour myself like a, a scotch, sit <laughs> in a room alone, and just really like <laughs> I just have to contemplate things. Um, I, I really appreciate uh, your your different point of view, Joan, because I feel like everyone is, is much more on the do do do. Right. Right. And, and less on the yeah, take care of yourself because yeah. that that is the most important. You know, it's I look at my mm. parents, and um, you know, my my dad just turned sixty, and you know, my biggest concern is is that um that he'll be ninety. You know, not that he would have a more solid retirement. And I think that yeah, how you take care of your body, it's really important. Yeah, yeah. I think about that a lot. Like we have this huge emphasis on like you you have to build a pile of money that that'll help you out when you can't work, but like there's less of an emphasis on keeping your body in the condition that will let you work and do the things you want to do. Yeah, setting a proper pace. I yeah. have a friend. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while because he's too sick now, but he's a billionaire. I, I met him at dog park. We have this incredible dog park in Santa Fe with these mile long trails, and you get to meet the most interesting people. And and I say to myself, what good is his billions if he's so uncomfortable physically? Mm. Mm. And one of the reasons people get sick is because the emotions are expressing themselves through the body. So you've got to take care of yourself emotionally, 
physically, spiritually, and financially. The financial piece is just one piece. It's not the ultimate piece. Joan, awesome. that, that was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you for, for coming on. Where, so people could obviously find you at prosperityplace.com. Absolutely. Um, is there any like Twitters, Facebook? Oh, I'm or- all over the place. If you, do a, if you Google Joan Sotkin, I am mm. the only Joan Sotkin in the entire world. <laughs> and the last time I counted, there were 48 pages of results. So I've been online for 20 years. Do you think you can't find me? So I'm on, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook. I've started doing blabs every once in a while. I what's, love what's blab. What's a blab? Oh, oh I blab's love cool. Blab, blab it's is like, so cool. Uh, it's kind of like Skype, but you're, you can like bring audience members on. Interesting. And, and it's recorded and, and it's, it, people are doing Periscope, but this is better than Periscope. Joan, you're making me feel like I'm behind the times. Yeah, huh? You are, you are. <laughs> and I just feel so good being able to play with people your age because that's what keeps me young well, is that I don't get stuck in, oh, I got to go see the doctor today because most people my age are fetching about their health. You know why you can play with us, Joan? Yeah, you could play with us because you're the type of person who will look at the source code. Yeah, that, that is a special type of person, and I, I have I have a ton of respect for that. That's it. Just says a lot about you as a person. Um, yeah. I'm always looking for a solution. I figure I I like to believe that the impossible is possible. I I love that. Um, so go to Prosperity Place. Joan also has um, a podcast. Uh, she obviously is, is very interesting. Um, I, I'm trying to remember how to wrap the show up. I've never had to do this before. <laughs> I, this is Thomas's job. Uh, you, you can always find us at listenmymatters at gmail.com. I will admit I'm a little backed up, but uh, I, we love hearing from you. So please email us. Um, we have this awesome community. I'm sure you've heard about it. Uh, if you're intrigued, listenmymatters.com slash join. Um, my my bet with the whole thing is that you will think it's awesome. And I, I mean, I know you think it'll, it'll be yeah. awesome because we've poured our hearts into it. Um, if you want to find out all the tools we've talked about on the podcast, uh, we're big tool people. Um, you can go to listenmymatters.com slash toolbox. You're trying and- to say we're big tools. I'm sorry? Are you trying to say we're big tools? Yeah, we're, we're, we're big tools. <laughs> we use tools. But actually, um, I, I kind of want to mention that uh, Joan and I had talked uh, before this because we actually recorded an episode of this podcast that you guys don't know about yet. It's called Rich Tips, and it's for community members only. There's actually going to be, within the next month, there's going to be two new podcasts that we're going to launch. It's going to be Rich Tips and Ask Anything. Um, Rich Tips is, is me and people like Joan talking about their, their favorite books, quotes, um, like things that drive them, key tips. And Ask Anything is is Laura and I going over questions you guys ask, cool things on Quora. Um, if you're interested, sign up for the community. Um, but yeah, anyways, guys, thanks for hanging out with us. And we look forward to talking to you on the next episode. Later, Thomas. Good outro, man. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Thanks for coming on the show. (laughs) My pleasure. Please tell your friends about this show. (laughs) 